the Ephesians reading, I just it's short, so I want to read it one more time here. So pay attention to the words and the verbs, the actions that are going on here. Do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, I want to begin today's message um, by telling you two stories. It happened to me while I was serving as a translator for the Lutheran, uh, Latin American Lutheran Church presidents when we were at a meeting in the International Lutheran Council back in 1997. While I was in England, I visited a collection of castles in the western part of the country right along the Welsh border. And these castles dated from the time of the Norman Conquest in 1066. They were in ruins. While visiting one of these castles named Ludlow, I was amazed at a two-story silo-like structure with no roof about 30 yards from the perimeter wall of the castle grounds. I went inside. I was told that a chapel or tabernacle ran from that silo to the perimeter of the wall and that I was standing in the narthex or the entrance to the tabernacle or church proper. On the interiors of this silo all around me um, were coats of arms several coats of arms, all in a circle. Well, I further found out that knights and squires from, these, from this castle participated in the very first crusades. The silo and adjoining tabernacle was where the knights and the squires gathered for prayer and worship before heading off to the crusades. Suddenly, a profound thought crossed my mind. I was standing in the very spot where centuries before the Norman tabernacle squires once stood. Okay. Aside from this castle tabernacle, I really did visit other medieval cathedrals while in England. And what impressed me the most was that the architecture and the construction on these is absolutely amazing. They have a little chart that says, see if you can find these markings on pillars and walls and, 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 and slabs of concrete. You can visually identify early medieval construction markings that make no sense today, but arrows or just different designs that told construction workers how the stones and the pillars were to be joined together for the construction of these massive cathedrals, their angles, and everything like that. Truly amazing. I made another discovery while I was in one. Many medieval cathedrals were built with a beautiful domed and vaulted ceilings that had several trap doors. These doors were used specifically to celebrate Pentecost. Before worship on Pentecost, some people who were chosen, would go up onto the roof and climb up there 
And at the appropriate time during the worship service, they would open up these roof holes. And they would release doves, living doves, to fly through these holes, swooping down on the congregation as living symbols of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, whooshing sounds, drumming sounds, like a holy windstorm. As the doves swooped and winds rose, the trap doors were opened once again, and bushels of rose petals were poured upon the congregation, symbolizing the tongues of fire. That's pretty cool. The holes in these cathedrals were called Holy Spirit holes. Holes where the Holy Spirit came from during the worship service. Can you imagine the drama of the doves and the windstorm and the rose petals entering the sanctuary? Well, in Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, which we just read, Paul explains what happens when the Holy Spirit enters our lives. Embrace yourself, because it's also pretty dramatic. No, there are no holes in our ceiling. The Holy Spirit still comes. Holy Spirit proceeds or comes out of the Father and the Son. Today we continue in our sermon series on Ephesians, and throughout this six-chapter book, Paul teaches that the Father and the Son have worked together so that the Holy Spirit may come and so that the Holy Spirit may fill our lives. The Father and the Son sent the Son. The Father gave the Son. He offered up the Son in sacrifice. He resurrected the Son. And the Father did the Son in the heavenly realms. And Christ now sits at the Father's right hand where we will one day sit with him in glory. Why did he do all this? So that our empty lives today, while on earth, might be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians 5.18, Paul starts by writing, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I got to thinking, why does Paul equate being spirit-filled with being drunk? What's up with that? Well, we know what DUI stands for, don't we? Driving under the influence, right? That's what drunkenness is, right? It's being under the influence of alcohol or some other substance. Being filled with a different spirit, not the Holy Spirit. But a DUI, driving under the influence, is a designation used to indicate that we're no longer in control. The booze is. Say things that we don't say when we're sober. We do things that we normally don't do sober. And we think things we normally think when we're so. Well, likewise, being filled with the Holy Spirit is being under the control of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the love of God, being filled with His grace and mercy, being filled with Christ's Word, we say things we normally wouldn't say. Having been created by God for good works, as Paul says in Ephesians, we are filled and we are led to do things that we normally wouldn't do. We would love instead of taking advantage of them. 
We show compassion instead of jealousy. We show mercy instead of And we would show humility instead of boastful pride. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, we think things that we normally wouldn't think, like, like how best to approach a situation in a conversation that you have in order to fill the other person with the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Finding the right words. And you think of, of, of a different worldview is a concern here. Namely, your word the needs of others understand how Christ might be presented in such a way to fill that need. In other words, being filled with the Holy Spirit is needed in Christ's footsteps. Instead of a DUI, say that all Christians are LUI, living under the influence of God's Spirit. So when Paul says to be filled, that's a very important word, too. Now, I, 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 I like words, and I know one other person in this congregation also, at least one other person does, is words. Be filled. There's tons of nuance in this word that Paul uses. They're subtle, but packed with meaning for your life. The verb filled is the only active verb in this paragraph. Singing, making music, giving thanks, submitting, all come as a result of being filled. They're not separate activities. So Paul says, be filled. Well, that's an order, right? So that is an imperative. It's a command. Now, when our children were younger, I would often give, Becky and I would give them choices of what they wanted to eat, what they wanted to do. But at other times, particularly when it was time to leave to go to church, I'd tell them, be in the car, 10 a.m., A-I-S. Ass in seat. Right? We're going, and it's at this hour. John many times didn't have shoes on or socks, so he went to church without shoes or socks. He had no choice. 10 a.m., A-I-S. Being filled with the Spirit, Paul is saying, no choice for the Christians. Be filled. There's a zero option plan here. God commands it. Be under his influence, living under his influence at all times. Not just when we're in church, not when we feel we're good or that we can do it, but all times. Even when we're sad, even when we feel depressed, even when our spirits are down, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second part of this verb is that the way that it is stated, and the Greek has a special verb tense for this, it's just not one time be filled and it's over with, it's continually being filled. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, we leak, don't we? We leak. We're filled when we're here, but then we maybe miss church for a month. We leak. Gotta come back to fill. We, we, we're away from Scripture for a while. We need to be filled. We need to come back. We haven't taken the Lord's Supper in a long time. We need to come back. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't let it go. Don't wait. Keep continuously being filled. The other thing is, is that this is not just said to one person, 
but it's said to all in the congregation that Paul is writing to. Not just the leaders, not just those on the church council, not just those in the elders. It says, all of you be continually filled. No one is excluded. The other important thing is, is that it's be filled. You're not the one doing the filling. You're the one receiving the filling, right? You're the one receiving what God is doing through his word, through his sacraments. So it's not something you are doing. It's something that God is doing to you. And the second one, the command to be filled, is followed, like I said, by these five actions. These participles, you know, running, singing, making. So all of this is ongoing, right? These five participles shows what the spirit-filled life looks like in the Christian. You may remember back in 1958, a man by the name of Frank Borkenstein invented the breathalyzer. The breathalyzer is a test that confirms or proves that you are driving under the influence of alcohol or not. In Ephesians, Paul uses these five verbs that follow the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They function as Paul's spiritalizer. Confirm and show us if we are living under the influence of the Holy Spirit or not. First one, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. This is your attitude about worship, right? Speaking to one another, singing, making music in your heart is your fellowship. What is your attitude towards fellowship? Is it, oh, I'm going to go to church today, but like my son, can't get my shoes and socks on in time. You know, or are we chomping at the bit? My dad had Alzheimer's, and every day he was ready for church. He wore a suit and a tie, and he'd come out, and he'd say every day, I'm ready for church. Dad, there's no church today. Well, what the hell am I dressed like this for then? Now, that was, that was him. Every day was spent in church for my dad because he spent the majority of his sane years being cantor in church, leading in singing, leading in making music with his heart. When he lost his memory, that was still there. He was still filled with the Holy Spirit. Your attitude towards worship. Psalm says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you love scripture, sing, making in your heart, you're living under the influence. Another thing Paul says, giving thanks. Giving thanks to God the Father about everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing Christ, putting your faith in him, praying that his will be done, everything that happens is a gift. If you can find it to give thanks for everything, you recognize that God is in control. Not that he made you, but that you are his, regardless of what is happening. Regardless of what might come, you belong to him, and for that, you give thanks. Because he has rescued you. He rescues you every day, and he will rescue you in the future. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Paul reminds us of that. 
over and over again, but specifically in chapter 8 of Romans. So the best way to overcome everything is to give thanks. What happens? It's all yours for your good. Maybe not in the moment. It may feel that way, but it is and will be in the future. The prayer, Father, I trust that you're working in everything that happens. Myself to you, thank you for your kindness to me and for the way work even this for my good. Regular Thanksgiving shows we're living under this, the influence of the Spirit. The last one is the toughest one. Submitting. That kind of has an echo behind it. Sub, sub, submit, ding, 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 ding. It kind of rings in our ears. We don't like to submit to one another. Even if we put out of reverence for Christ. We love amusement parks. The bumper car ride is a favorite. It's fun to drive recklessly and hit everybody else. Bumper cars deliberately crash into other people. The last thing you want to do in a bumper car is submit. Right? You want to be hit. Submitting is the hardest. It's so easy to have a bumper car mentality in relationship with others. The last thing we often do not want is submit because we look at submit as losing, giving in. But submitting shows that we're under the influence of the Spirit. I find that I'm in the most spiritual when I'm alone. When I get up in the morning, before anyone comes out of their bedrooms, I go into my day, I try to pray and have quiet time. I don't mean that spiritual like stargazing, crystal wearing, oil massaging, incense inhaling, herb naturalist, hippie Muppet girl Janice, for sure, bully. No, I mean Holy Spirit spiritual. Taking time to pray, think about my day, the encounters I may have. That's fine when I'm alone until Luli, our parrot, starts squawking. Because he hears Becky wake up and come out of the room, then I'm not so spiritual anymore. Shut up, you damn bird. Right? No, the real test of being spiritual isn't when we're alone and meditating and reading scripture. It's when we're with other people. Because that's when Paul says we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You cannot help but to submit in love to one another when filled with God's Spirit, putting others first, their needs, to help them in any way possible that might put what you have on your agenda on the back burner. You may have to sacrifice time or talent or life. That's what Spirit-filled people do. They are filled with the Spirit, not with themselves, laying down your life as Jesus says in John, for the other. No greater love has anyone than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. Paul isn't talking about the clear commands of Scripture here. We don't submit to anyone if it means that we are disobeying God's word, right? What Paul does mean is that in the decision where the Bible doesn't give clear direction and where we can't come to an agreement, if you're living under the influence, you submit. You take the back seat. 
The other thing, we don't want to get this back. Paul is not giving you a recipe for getting the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that if you do these five things, then you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. No. Rather, he's saying that it is because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit that you can see these things in your life. You can lead to worship joyfully, sing to God and make music in your heart. It's because you're filled with the Holy Spirit that you want to regularly receive Christ's body and blood in communion for the forgiveness of sins. It's because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit that you want to give thanks at all times, knowing that God is in control. In the Middle Ages, the Holy Spirit holes, as they were, were in the ceiling. What drama they must have had on Pentecost. Doves and rose petals and whooshing and sounds of the wind. But where are these Holy Spirit holes today? They're not in the donuts in the back counter. Where God's Spirit rushes down and upon us and through us and in us. In the gospel, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, as we worship, these are the chosen holes through which the Holy Spirit comes to us. Spirit-filled Christians, speaking in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music, thanking God, submitting to each other out of reverence. A life like that is what we might call LUI, living under the influence of God's Spirit. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org.